Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. When the sunrise, you can You can make it better than yesterday. A new day, it's a new day. New day, there's a way. You can turn it around. Trust me, there's a way out. There's more time. Just don't give up. When the sunrise, you can You can hashtag Marsha's Plate. You can follow us on most social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hello, hello. Hey, what's going on? Oh my God, I am so excited today. Today is Juneteenth. <laughs> it is. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, everybody. Juneteenth. Yes. Y'all have any I haven't plans? Had nobody say anything about it but you, daughter. Really? That's my whole timeline. You need to fix your timeline here. You in yeah. a bubble because my whole yeah. timeline is talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm dying to be in the bubble because everybody is talking about birthdays and Father's Day. Mm, I'm seeing Father Day, Juneteenth, up, up and down yeah. my timeline. Timeline. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, are, do y'all have any plans? Uh, I have some plans. I'm going to go to a uh, Black Pride Juneteenth cookout situation for uh, Pacific Northwest Black Pride. Yeah. You know, all, all five of the Black people. I mean, you've been out here. We'll get together. <laughs> no, I'm just no, I'm just but yeah, no, it's going to be good to uh, be around some Black folks that know what Juneteenth is. <laughs> <laughs> and eat and celebrate and be blackity black. So that's what I'm doing today. Yes, I'm going to be same. I'm going to be black and gay as fuck. I think I'm going to go to the gay club tonight and, uh-huh. you know, let them know that it is I'm black and I'm LGBT, baby. Come on, <laughs> Come on intersectional. Okay. I didn't really have anything planned. Um, I haven't, I don't know. I, I didn't know if there were anything to do tonight. Um, <laughs> My Z was invited to his grandmother's house, but I don't know if y'all remember our bitches banned from coming over. So. Oh, oh! I oh. wanted to be petty and just because it's a little park, a little country ass park across the street from her house that her grandkids would play at. And so I wanted to be petty and just sit at the park while they're in the house. Obviously, but I am like, not sitting out in the hot sun. Just to be petty. And that's what he said. He was like, okay, bitch, you're going to be high. So I, was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, you're right. Because I just got back from Atlanta. Baby, I don't what know that? what's going on in Atlanta. What do you mean? But she is competing with Houston. It is oh, hot. Wow. It is so hot in Atlanta. 
they got a heat wave or something mm. coming on over there. But yeah, I, I didn't have anything planned. Um, I'm kind of just winging it, but I'm sure if I want to do something, I, I will. But I'm definitely going out tomorrow night um, because mm. um, a guy, he um, lost his life that was really prominent in the scene. And um, they're doing like a um, like a Kiki uh, ballroom thing. And so they're they're having grand prizes for different things. And it's like, mm. OK, I can celebrate his, his life because he was a sweet guy. Marinating on the Juneteenth being a federal holiday now. It is kind of weird because these white people get uh, paid. <laughs> they get paid for this holiday now. <laughs> what? So I didn't know that. So I get, you know, they get off for the holiday and they get some coins for it. And it makes me feel some kind of way, you know. Yeah, tomorrow is, you know, a federal holiday. But yeah. There's no, no mail. There's no mail tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. On Monday. Well, y'all know on Monday. Y'all know they wouldn't uh, let let us get um, paid leave, and they didn't. You know that. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but it that still feels kind of weird that the majority of you know people in America, um, not for very long, but <laughs> the majority of people in America is white, and they can be off or and get they little pay for it. So it's kind of it doesn't feel kind of weird. weird. It's like a bittersweet kind of situation, but I'm just glad that it's acknowledged, and you know. Um. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think it's kind of. I think it's a little weird. It is a little. It is a little interesting to see so much Juneteenth activity on the interwebs and everything. Uh, I don't know about YouTube, but like I grew up celebrating Juneteenth, going to big Juneteenth festival, Buffalo Soldiers with the ponies and the rides and the it's you know a big oh, wow. festival so it's it's and black folks go no matter what so like it's weird <laughs> to be like yes everybody gets off for juneteenth okay um yeah so it is it's a little it's a little weird but yeah, you know, it's also I'm, weird I'm, when people people who just learned about it act like yeah. they be shady and be like oh yeah just start next. learning about this i'm like motherfucker people have been celebrating juneteenth for uh, and not just in the south we know that it's it's a texas thing because you know that's what the event is based on but there were people who moved from texas to up north places yeah. and still celebrated juneteenth so stop yeah. acting like um, black folks wasn't doing it just because yo black folks wasn't doing it <laughs> i was gonna say i was that was the other thing i was gonna say i was gonna tip tip lightly around that because there's definitely like a, the you know your new black element of stuff going on where i'm like I don't know, man. And it's not it, your uh, fault. It's not your right. fault because this, this is but the black history. But don't, don't, act, don't start policing it. Don't be all weird with that energy, yeah. right? Like that weird. It's like this is new to you, and now you're trying to police everybody else. Right. Go on somewhere with that. Don't, because yeah. because what ends up happening with anytime we get into that, you're gonna end up policing my cousins who can't speak the way you think they should speak about things, right? But been celebrating Juneteenth forever. But they're not using, you know, the ivory tower language or the white adjacent language and right. all that kind of stuff and talking about isms and this and that and white people give me money. White people know. not involved with any of this. White people don't matter. No. <laughs> this is Juneteenth for black people, by black people. And just for everybody to know, yes, the guy came in to Texas, to the, to Galveston, but black people got their freedom. Like white people weren't trying to like we fought for that. Too. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, white people are not relevant to the conversation. 
So don't you make know, them relevant. So, and and exactly. just because your folks don't celebrate it don't mean that other folks didn't. And you don't have to celebrate <laughs> it. And it's not okay that you, if you found out about it two years ago or that's last okay. year, that's okay too. We know how this history is taught. They literally fighting against us teaching our history. Exactly. So if you yeah. did, just don't feel ashamed that you just found out about Juneteenth a year ago yeah. And, yeah. and you want to celebrate it this year because you learned about it. That's okay too. Right. Calm exactly. your ass down. That's it. <laughs> like any like subgroup or, or whatever, we we always have classes um and yep. that's hierarchy. a big part. That's so what it is. Don't yep. talk, don't walk a certain way, and certain things people shun you. So I mean, just fuck what people say. Celebrate whoever you want to celebrate, and do it the way you want to. Mm-hmm. And to your, to your point, Mia, too, the wealth gap is so much bigger than it used to be. So it's like black folks who had money still were a little bit closer to folks that didn't in a way that they're not now. Right. It's, like, it's like a big wealth gap. Like you used to have more working class, poor folks who had a little bit of something and could still have quality of life. That is not the, 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 the everything is different now. We're like kind of in the 80s all over again. So it's, it's yeah. So, I don't know, but I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. But happy so, Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. But it is <laughs> yeah. also it is also Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all happy the fathers, Father's Day. especially all the black trans fathers. To all the fathers happy. and the birthing daddies. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and, and the ones that accidentally become fathers. Happy Father's mm-hmm. Day to y'all too. <laughs> the father, the stepdads, the mm-hmm. father figures. Uncle, and, well, and just to get on you niggas' nerves, the mamas who doing double duty, taking care right. of their kids and doing both roles. I know y'all don't like to hear that, but I don't give a fuck. Who cares? <laughs> I know y'all don't like it. Y'all got yeah, your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all yep, got yep, your right. day. Let us have this. No. Yep, 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 <laughs> I yep, said what yep. I said. The mothers that is taking <laughs> on the role of daddy. Shout out to y'all too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, shout out to everybody who is stepping up, doing their thing, who doing what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is the day that y'all get y'all cookies for being the good fathers that y'all are. Yeah, congratulations. You are doing what you're supposed to do. You (laughs) are the rarity doing what you're supposed to do. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the fathers, all the good fathers. Yes, but also people who are going the extra mile and taking care of responsibilities that are not theirs mm-hmm. and raising healthy men. Yep. Shout out to those people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's like, but I want to add to that diamond, like special, special shout out to like the gay fathers that are, mm. are, are fathering these children that y'all, the straight people are abandoning, but telling them that they shouldn't father. Mm. Mm-hmm. That too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those fathers who are who are fathering LGBT children, like right. you know, not just the celebrities. We know Dwayne Wade is the one that everybody's like uh, swooning over. Mm-hmm. I, I seen um Zia Wade's post about him and I was swooning. I was like, oh, this is so cute. But not just the celebrity fathers that are um loving their LGBT kids unconditionally, but the ones that are not celebrities that are like, you know what, this is my child. Yeah. I'm gonna love them unconditionally. Yeah. I'm gonna be on there. And it and, and it may not even be immediately. Maybe you had some issues in the beginning, but you came around and you right. are and you are loving right. your children now. 
even yeah. you, we appreciate your growth. We appreciate your willingness yeah. to evolve and come to where you are now. We really love that. So also shout out to those people who have LGBT children that they are loving unconditionally now Absolutely. and forever. Magic Johnson, even though people don't talk, he like quietly, you know what I mean? He just, you know what I mean? He doesn't make a big hurrah. He don't really, I think more recently because of the celebrity of Dwayne Wade and just how more open they have been, he's been a little bit more open, but like he's always stood by his child. Yes. You know, uh, just did it mm -hmm. without, without asking for no accolades. So yeah. Word. Absolutely. We love to see it. Yeah. We know we had your daddy on here, Mia. How is um Papa Sloan? Mm. <laughs> he is doing good. He um he sent me a picture that I guess somebody made him a um a happy father's day cake. And then he loves to barbecue. So he sent me pictures of what he was barbecuing today. So he's having a Aww. good day. He's somewhere in the um yeah, somewhere in the country in Lubbock, having a comment. <laughs> 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 work, 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 yeah. work, work. But, I, but yeah, shout out to them. He's in the ballroom fathers, definitely the ballroom fathers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I give a shout out to my dad too, because like he, you know, he's a pretty good ally, and you know, really you know, just has had my back around being queer, around being trans. He don't really, it's not a thing to him ever since I was a kid before I could even identify anything. It's just like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> would just let me be me. Um, and even when he doesn't get things, he puts the effort into our relationship to try to work through things and communicate. And if he doesn't get it, he doesn't care all the time. It's just like you're my kid. So I uh, definitely want to give him a shout out. You know, he ain't perfect, but he tries. And I appreciate that. So I know that's right. Well, y'all know my daddy ain't shit. So, <laughs> you know, hey, it'd be so like we, that. We, um, I, uh, our very first episode called Daddy's Lessons explained me and his situation is still in the same spot, mm. um, in the wallowing of the anxiousness. So, I'm not, we ain't worried about him, but Thank I have God. had tons <laughs> of father figures who are who have came in and stepped up and allowed me to have positive male um role models positive male examples of yeah. people, um of examples of how uh the healthy masculinity can show up in somebody's life i have so many people who have um showed up in my life with that type of energy where it's not it doesn't feel harmful it feels safe it feels loving it feels masculine it feels like a man is healthily loving you and healthily being in your life that doesn't revolve around um you know sexuality that right. doesn't revolve, revolve around exploitation it just revolves about them being a man and wanting to make sure that you are right and they, they are a great example of that so i have a, a bunch of people who um who fits that bill. So I really, really appreciate that. So mm. tell us what y'all are doing for Juneteenth and how are you celebrating your good fathers if you have them? Um, hashtag Marsha's Plate. Happy Juneteenth and happy Father's Day. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my 
finger on the pulse of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> Alrighty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So this is kind of like a follow-up. Um, there was a um a transgender woman named Maria um Maria King. She's 79 years old. She was trying to apply for a um at a nursing home. Um it's called Sunrise as um uh, uh assistant living facility and um when she applied there they uh, they let her know like hey we have some availability but then once they found out that she was trans they told her that that they didn't feel comfortable giving her any living space and um the reason being is because they felt like th that a cis woman would feel uncomfortable with her being with her i guess in the room with her so they denied her the um, the space to even be there. So Maria did something that was good. She she took them to court. And so um, the good thing is she ended up winning and um, they, they still denied discriminating against her, but they allotted her $1,000 and then they gave $8,000 to her, um, her lawyers that helped her. Um, the good thing about this is that it's one uh, one of the first cases of its kind from trans elders. So that means mm -hmm. that other trans elders in the future will be able to um, have some type of assist uh, assistance and um, just feel more comfortable without feeling like they're going to be discriminated against. Um, my question to you guys is, do... How, and, and I think Diamond, we've talked about this several times as far as like, you know, um, like how do we feel about when we get older and uh, if we have to be in assistant living, how that would be like. What do you guys think would be a best fit um, for someone that's trans that doesn't have a sex change? And I, I don't know if she has a sex change or not, but I'm, I'm specifically specific specifically saying doesn't have a sex change to be in assistant living with cis people and do y'all feel like we should have our own separate quarters or do you think we should be able to be in the gender that we um we associate with i mean in the ideal world i would love to be in a facility with other trans people uh because i think i would feel more comfortable and could feel more comfortable talking about things with other folks because they're also trans. I think it would combat some of the isolation uh, that I think older people feel in general. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, that to me in an ideal situation for me, I would love to be in a facility with other trans people personally. 
I feel like it can, I, I, I think both should be. This is the issue. I think this goes back to the separate and equal thing in the back of the day, too. Like with the bathrooms and stuff? With everything. With all like the Jim Crow yeah. stuff. Like the separate, the laws made it to be where it, should, it can be separate but equal. But right. the problem was it wasn't equal. equal. Right. <laughs> that was the problem. Right. If, imagine back then, if separate were equal and the equal was literally that, it's equal. Right. How, where would we be today? Because we wouldn't have bucked up against a system of being separate if it was equal. Like if our schools had the same books and had the same stuff, we wouldn't have needed it because we wouldn't have. I feel honestly, we wouldn't have wanted to fuck with them anyway. Well, that was the thing. Right. Yeah. We 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 started to see the benefits of us having to only fuck with our own people. It started to be an economic growth thing. Yep. And so now I don't know what that would have turned into, you know, but it started to be this thing where we were seeing the growth and we were forced to kind of se- support each other. And it just grows and grows and grows. Now, I feel like eventually capitalistic greed will kind of fuck that over, but um, it's inevitable. Fucked. But I feel like if we were equal it wouldn't have mattered like we wouldn't have tripped about it so much and so yeah if 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 the trans facility gets the same funding and has the same resources it has the same quality if the right. lgbt facility has that cool i'd much rather be with my own people so i don't have to worry about you know what i'm saying that element of it but also there's going to be places in the country that doesn't have LGBT elder facility shit. We barely, we just got one in Houston recently. Um, Yeah, very, very recently. And so there's not going to be a lot of them. There's going to be places with a bunch of elder facilities, but not one specifically for us. Should Mm -hmm. they be pushed out of those facilities? No, I think if, Mm -hmm. if, if that's the only one that's available, she, we should be fucking free to go into that space. And if we paying the money and got the money for the to be in there, let us be in there and be treated well and be treated fairly and be accepted. I just I think both. I think I think it's a both in hand situation. If we have enough resources to create a LGBT senior citizen home. Yes, create one. But if we don't in- include us in that, your, your people should be trained to include us in that scenario. Yeah, I think. Oh. No, go ahead. Well, um, um, to you, um, um, you said that we they should be trained. They said, um, the facility that she's doing, they're going to implement the training afterwards now, so that they can help trans people in the future. So that what she did is actually helping change the policy. Mm. But the crazy thing is that should have already been in place. And I kind of agree with you both. Like, right. um, I would want to be with. Like, this is the one point, the one, the one time where I'm like, I will be okay with being with other trans people. Like, and I'm not saying that I, um, this is what I mean um, by that. Um, so it doesn't sound like um, I'm being anti-trans. I don't want anybody to take it that way. Um, I, I mean, I would be okay with being segregated because of um the whole weirdness where you know I might need to be changed and that if I don't have a sex change like things like that I feel like it would make me more comfortable if I was yeah. around my own people um versus the cis woman who's kind of like awkwardly 
But is your is your caretakers gonna be trans though? That is right. that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Just living with trans people, yeah, your people, your res- other residents is gonna be trans. But right. is the nurse that's changing you gonna be trans? Because if that's, that's not, if that's yeah, not, that makes a difference. Right. The other the other facility, they're gonna be the same thing. It's gonna be cis people mm-hmm. changing yeah. you, and that's so true. that's gonna be that's gonna make a difference for me because I don't know. I just. I just want you to care for me. I just don't want bed sores. I just right. don't want yeah. you fucking bothering me or mistreating me. I don't care if exactly. you're trans. I Yo, just want you to not treat me bad. You know, to your point about the separate but equal too, it's like, uh, you know, we were just saying we want to be able to desegregate stuff for convenience and it got turned into integration, which is not the same thing. And even though we had separate facilities for a lot of stuff, separate hospitals, separate schools, separate institutions, the quality, regardless of the building, was much better than often what white students were getting at white schools that were better funded with better facilities and better whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like the quality of that education, right? You had people with master's degrees teaching elementary school for black kids. Right. You had folks. So like we were getting like the quote unquote cream of the crop and these experiences within our community and then got pushed into this integrated system that has failed us, period. You know, and so like to your point around, like, you know, if the people working there are trans, that's definitely. Yeah, that's definitely it. Right. It's like if the people who are working there are trans or allies, that's a you're right. That's a different conversation than oh, this facility caters to the trans community and we're still underpaying people that work in assisted living, paying people $10 an hour who don't give a fuck anyway, right? Or they do, but they get burnt out. You know what I mean? Plus all that stuff's expensive. You know, my mom, um, before she passed, for a little bit had to live in assisted, uh, it was supposed to be like therapy because she had lost mobility. And, you know, even though she was in the side that was supposed to be for um, physical uh, rehabilitation, most of it was a nursing home and my mom was like 63 64 years old so that was depressing like the environment was depressing you know even though the felt the staff were cool and not everybody was cool because people are being under you know this is you know healthcare is the one of the big industries like you know in our second world economy that we have in the united states that's based in consumer it's based in consumer tech hospitality service industry and these hospitals and everybody if you're not in that you're kind of lucky basically right and so like you know what i mean like that's yeah so yeah the quality of the care the quality of the person that's working with you matters i think you're right more than necessarily like is it all trans people but yeah i would love to be around other trans people to your point mia like because then it's like you know you around people that can understand some of the stuff that you're going through on a social level that's where you got to live before you pass you know you don't have to worry about the social isolation part of it but then, um, but yeah, who's taking care of me? Like, who's gonna, who's gonna, like, I don't want bed sores. Who's gonna make, who's not gonna weird, weird out when they're like, this man has a vagina. Oh my God. Like, is yeah. the person, you know what I'm saying? You is know? the person that comes in gonna be taking pictures of me exactly. just to put some creepy shit on fucking Twitter? Exactly. Or you know what I'm saying? That I don't want that. That is, exactly. that's the problem. It's not that I care if they're cisgendered or not. I just want them to care about me enough to not exploit the situation right. not make me, i'm already feeling uh, uh vulnerable 
vulnerable. Yes, that's a better. I was about to say undignified, but no, uh, the vulnerable because I'm older, because I'm um, a different a queer bodied woman, and I'm mm-hmm. coming in. I'm coming in this space where I'm vulnerable to because I'm older and don't, and I'm probably I probably didn't have children because I'm trans, or you know, you know, not saying that trans people can't have kids, but me. I, I, I probably don't. didn't have children. Most of us don't um, probably didn't have children. So I'm literally older and vulnerable and I'm in this space. I just want you to make this as comfortable as you can for me as my service provider. That is mm-hmm. really it. I don't care if you cis, trans, gay. I don't really care. I just want I care about how you are treating me. So if I'm coming in this space and I have to and I have to sue you or somebody before me had to sue you to get your policy changing because you didn't want us here. I don't even want to stay in this fucking place, even if you change your policy. That feels like because it's literally when I'm looking at the, the, the case, they changed that policy because that was the core order for them to do. Like it wasn't because they wanted to. Yeah. The right. court ordered them to do that. So who wants to be in this facility that clearly made it clear that you don't want me here? Right. And clearly you're only doing this policy change because the court ordered you to. I don't want to be there because mm-hmm. I know th- the retaliation is real. Yep. <laughs> right. I know the retaliation is real and I know y'all don't want me here. So I don't want in the first place in the first place. So I'd much rather go to a place and it does not necessarily have to be LGBT. If it is cool, great, blah, blah, blah. But I want to go to a place that is just by the sheer design of the location by whoever created it, because whoever the people who create institutions are the ones who set the standard of what the rules and the policies are going to be. And so I want to be in a place who has set a standard to be affirming to LGBT people. I want to be in a place who intentionally said, we know that LGBT people exist and we know that we are going to have to service them. And I want to make a space just I want us not just for them, but for them in our facility to be able to be taken care of just as equal as our cisgender counterpart or heterosexual counterparts or whatever. I want to create that. So whoever has made a facility, whether it be cis or LGBT, whoever Mm -hmm. has made a facility that from the inception, we have included the ideas of who we wanted to serve, included LGBT people. That's the facility that I want to be in. I want to be in Mm -hmm. that facility because I know from the beginning, from the onset, not saying that they're going to be perfect, but from the onset, they knew that they were going to service and include LGBT people in in their services. And so I want to be in that facility gay lgbt cisgender whatever who whatever long as i know that they knew that there was going to be lgbt elders here and they wanted to serve for some that's what i wanted that's where i wanted to be. i didn't i didn't think about the part that you brought up um diamond about like who would be taking care of me until you brought it up because i'm thinking like oh who you know do, i'm a i'm the type of girl i'll be like girl do your job i'll go get whacked <laughs> Do your job, <laughs> but but it also like um you both said the vulnerability of being in that type of situation and being older. Like I have a great grandmother who died in assisted living, so I, I know how people not doing their job can lead to you being uncomfortable and having unfortunately an early death. Yeah, those places are super expensive too, so it's like. You know, you know, we just do. We need a better system. Period on the on the class level, because you know, I like the way it's kind of the way the economy is right now. In my observation, it's like either 
you have no money and you can stay somewhere. You got to have a lot of money and you can stay somewhere because anybody in between, you know, and like Medicare doesn't cover facilities. Medicare will cover you to go to the doctor. Medicare will cover certain things. But people think, oh, I, I work, I retire, I get my Social Security. It's going to No, it doesn't cover that. My mom worked as a teacher, for example, 39 years. They would cover up to a certain point. And she had the quote unquote Cadillac insurance. But when you're talking about long term care, a lot, a lot of folks have to pay out of pocket. So I, I've seen situations where folks had to basically have their parents be declared destitute and indigent so they could get in a facility and stay there for it to be paid for. But, or, you know, I've also seen situations where people got a lot of money and it don't matter. And I've seen the situation like with my mom where, you know, she had to leave there. I mean, she was ready to go anyway before she came back home. But like, you know, the reality is they're like, oh, this is going to be $5,000 a week. <laughs> or a month or whatever, you know what I mean? So like those places cost a lot of money. Um, and we don't, as a community, most of us ain't, ain't got no money. So like, you know? <laughs> I have a, I have an aunt Joe who um, I've talked about my aunt Joe before, but she is, she's 80 something. She's, you know, mm. she's disabled and literally her legs don't work. And so she's kind of bedridden and I don't know how her situation is set up. She's never been like rich or anything, but she has been a homeowner for a long time. She has own, owned her home. Um, she, um, the <laughs> the home she owned, she stole from my grandmother, my great grandmother. Oh, 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 because a whole long story. She hustled her out of it. But anyway, <laughs> but she has owned this home for as long as I've been living, and mm -hmm. um, oh, before I even before that, long as my mama's been living, and. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, what situation that she had set up, but she gets a certain amount of money to have somebody come in and care for her oh, for 16 mm -hmm. hours. And yeah. that money goes to a care, like a, a care that she can she can choose. It could be somebody that she choose or it can be from a a, a, or a company. Yeah, that's and what so, we switched to, too. Once my okay. mom left the facility, we switched to having people come to the house because it is much much uh, affordable. You have a little yeah. bit more oversight, you know, if yeah. you have family that can kind of, you know, be around for that. Yeah, I would love that. Actually, what I would be what I if I if I had to choose the ideal situation, I would love to be like living with my brother, <laughs> mm -hmm. living with my brother. Yeah. And um, I have somebody come in just so I'm not a burden to them. I have somebody come in and take care of me. Um, and you know, whatever kind of like, if I have social security, which probably will be gone by the time I get old, but if I have, <laughs> if I have social security, I can at least help him pay bills and pay for, um, my, um, you know, my assistant living person to come in and help me. I much rather have that. Cause then I have a choice to who it will be and mm -hmm. I can choose somebody based on interview. Da, 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 da. Um, actually that's what my mother was doing before she died. She mm -hmm. literally died in, um, in her care, her person that she was caring for his house. Oh, wow. wow. Like she was, she was, um, she was, you know, she was at work, <laughs> which was, wow. annoying. <laughs> which was wow. annoying, but, um, she was a caretaker of a, of a, uh, a lady who was in a wheelchair and, <clears throat> um, and that's how she was making her money at the time. That, that was her job. She was a caretaker. Your mom? Yeah. She would call me and tell me about her job, like literally taking care of these people. And the and that lady literally was at my mom's funeral 
And she just was praising my mom. Your mom, your mom just was, you get what I'm saying? She did things that was way out of her job description. Right. And my mama told me about some of these things where I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I could do that. But <laughs> <laughs> she was doing some stuff to this yeah. lady that I'm like, oh, yeah. my mom, like, like, as far like the lady was constipated and she tried to help her not be constipated. Yeah. Let me not go into details. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's just stuff that was way out of their job description. Yeah. It takes just a lot. Because, yeah. Just because my mom cared about this lady and, you know, didn't want her to deal with certain things. And, you know, the lady just praised my mom or whatever. And so um, mm. it was interesting the way my mother described the situation. She was like, it's good money, but it is you, you got to stay at these people's house. You don't really have a lot of freedom. You got to be there with them almost yeah. 16 hours a day cooking and taking care of them and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, and it takes a special kind of person that cares about people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, this is, is a job that you, you know, just do for the money. Cause there are going to be some things that go above your pay grade. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm just somebody that cares about people. And so it works out for me. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just, that's what I would want. I would want to be able to interview somebody and, them taking care didn't take care of me in my own home. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it should be somebody. Oh, my bad, man. No, you know, that was something my mom said. Like at first when she um talked to us, she she would always say that she wanted me to take care of her because she didn't <laughs> she didn't trust my sister. But um oh take that out. I did that in a minute. Take that out. <laughs> Well, okay, so <laughs> my mom always wanted me to take care of her. And I don't know what the hell happened recently, but she was like, mm, I wouldn't want to burden you. So I would actually like somebody to come take care of me at my home. So she decided. Yeah, to take care. that makes sense. I, yeah, I was just going to mention like, it does like I know I got a friend that used to do that kind of work. And to your point around like it takes a special kind of person. Like they were very passionate about it. Um, they got out of it just because on an emotional level it became very taxing. Um, as we're saying. But like in that situation, I was gonna say it is good to have somebody that's not your family. I took care of my mom, even though she had caretakers come in. But I could only do so much. And then you're also dealing with relationship dynamics and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely made a difference uh, having an outside person who this is your job and your, this is your job. So you kind of neutral was, <laughs> you know, you're here to do your job. And you're, you know what I mean? It, it takes away some of the um, interpersonal dynamics that could come up when you're taking care of somebody when they're so in a vulnerable, you know, I did what I had to do to take care of my mom, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. you know what I mean? Like I stepped up and stepped in, but like, you know, uh, it definitely was a challenge and having someone who was like, I am a professional <laughs> like, was very, very helpful. Even though they pay, you can get paid to take care of your family members too, you know, but to have somebody that's a little bit more trained, a little bit more neutral, third party, you yeah. know, it definitely Because your own um, people will be lazy because they're your own people. Right. Or, or, or they'll do it, you know, or I mean, I ain't going to see here and lie. You know, there were times, you know, you know, my mama could, could you know, I'm going to get on your nerves on, you know, these interpersonal dynamics. I'm still going to do it because you're my mother. Right. Regardless. But 
you getting on my nerves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm getting on but your you nerves. But you treating me a certain way because right, because you can. Right. If, exactly. if, if I was a worker, you wouldn't be doing <laughs> exactly, <this>. exactly. <laughs> so having that professional come on. What time do they get here? I got you. And when they get here, I'm going go on the couch and watch some TV. Okay. And and, and they're gonna have to go get your, you know, all this. Blah, blah, blah. But you know, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that's some real. That's real. That that does sound. That is much better than being in a facility. It's, it's something about. It's a comfort when you're in your own home. It's a comfort when you, even if you in like a senior living situation, you know, it's just a level of comfort and control that you, I feel like people feel like they have more so than going to a facility. Give me the notebook facility. They had candlelight dinners. They had somebody at the piano. They had a cute little <laughs> view. That's like, bougie. They was cut. It was real cute. Yeah. Give me the, <laughs> the notebook facility. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say my butt at home and try to get somebody. I think that's my answer now. Like I switched from like, look, I don't want to be in the place with trans people. I don't want to be in a place with yeah. no people. I, I want to be at home. Okay. I, I wanna, <laughs> as I long as I can be, be. Yeah. Yeah, I want to be healthy to where I don't need help. Like I don't know if that. I, I'm trying to make sure that's as possible as I can make it, and it's not easy, but. That's the, I think that that's my my biggest bet to bet on me, honey. Mm. Bet on black. But, um, let us know, guys, <laughs> what you think. Um, hashtag Marsha's play. Should we be in our own facility or should we be in a uh, facility where everyone is welcome? All right, so you know how you be scrolling and, you know, somebody will say something and y'all kind of go back, back and forth. You know, it could be like Facebook, Twitter, da, 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 and y'all kind of going back and forth. So I've seen this status and I want to read it to y'all so y'all can see how the conversation went. So <laughs> my friend posted this. It's not his status. You know how they share somebody else's status and he writes something to it. Uh, and so he his status just said weird as fuck. But the, the status that he shared was this guy saying, you are weird as fuck if you walk around your kids or your siblings naked. And him saying then his response is he was agreeing. My friend's response was he's agreeing with it and saying it's weird as fuck. And I say. I respond to it and I say, y'all would have hated my house then because my mom and all her kids stayed naked pre-puberty, LOL. Because when you are raised in this type of, you know, kind of free hippie kind of like life <laughs> how in this kind of household, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. don't think of nudity as sexual. It's not like sexy. It's just nudity. When, and, yeah. and when you're raised in that environment. Right. So I stopped taking baths with my mom probably when I was like five. Mm -hmm. so, I, so like, um, you know, I would be in the bathtub with my mom or my mom would, um, I'll take a bath and then right after um, my mom would take a bath and I'll be in there sitting on the tub on the on the toilet while she's in the bathtub talking to her about something seeing my mom naked from birth is nothing nothing mm. sexual nothing mm. it was pretty normal for all of us me and me taking and another thing my mom didn't technically have any girls in regards to assigned at birth so mm. 
all so me bathing with my brothers was quite normal me me like i remember i i visually remember my mother sitting on the toilet peeing <laughs> while i'm in the tub like sitting on my butt with my mm. my torso up with my mm. little brother in my legs mm. and me cleaning him with um johnson and johnson baby <laughs> little baby mm. sensitive hair washing his hair and she's sitting right there with me so mm. it's not like um you know like so ain't nobody gonna drown <laughs> but right. She's right. sitting there and I'm sitting there with my little brother in my lap in the tub, washing his hair with that, that gold kind of, y'all remember that gold Johnson and Johnson, um, baby shampoo <laughs> that was in the eyes. Yeah. And so Put I would be, I, I, yeah, I'm watching <laughs> him. She's talking about something. I just, I, it's just when I was little. And so I just remember that image of my mom, um, or vice versa just it just depends us doing bath time together is so was so normal for me when we hit puberty that's when it changed like when mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. body parts start changing mm -hmm. pubic hair when it got you i stopped taking baths with my mom about five but definitely nudity around the house shifted during puberty so once mm -hmm. we hit puberty then we start kind of covering up and you know, that kind of stuff. But when we were kids, it was nothing for mm -hmm. us to be naked, for my mom to be naked. Um, the men in the house, they the grown men in the house never were naked, but they would be in ba ba um, boxers or basketball shorts. Mm -hmm. um, um, or, but also them too, like um, say they went and took a shower and they um they um they forgot a towel or something them walking out of the bathroom and going to get a towel and being naked would be kind of nothing like it just nudity was nothing for our family mm -hmm. and so when i when i was having that conversation on on this boy's status i was like you talk about it's weird as fuck but one of the benefits of that kind of household is there's no shame around body in the right. moment there's no mm -hmm. shame around body if something mm -hmm. is going on with my body i was very comfortable with talking to my mother mm -hmm. my brothers was very comfortable with talking to my mother if there's some question that we had anything around body and and this opens up the door to conversations about sex this opens up mm -hmm. the door to conversations just any kind of questions that we had we were able to be open physically enough to talk to my mother about it i remember yeah. one time when my brother was like 15 or 16 um my he came into my bedroom pulled out his dick and said diamond look at this is this a std and i looked at it and i said no rakim and i reached over got my tweezers and i pulled the hair out of it because he had a hair bump on his that had got inflamed because the hair was because we got black hair so it was curling inside of under the skin so it, it created like mm -hmm. a little bump it was a hair mm -hmm. bump mm -hmm. and so, yeah ingrown hair and so mm -hmm. it made a little bump but because he was having sex and right. he didn't know anything about stds right and he just sees something on his his pee pee his on his pubic hair he was like what the fuck is this but he was open enough to come and show me and i right. see it 
and literally pulled it out the next day. It, the bump had gone down. I was like, it's just a hair bump. And so, mm-hmm. but imagine the comfortability that my brother right. had to have to do that and show me. But imagine if he didn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't, he would be ashamed to show or ashamed to talk about it. And here he is 15, 16 years old thinking he got an STD. Mm-hmm. What that could lead to, or I don't know. I, just the fact that he was that comfortable and we were able to talk about it. And literally mm-hmm. it opened up to, for me to show him pictures about what STDs look like, what this, what, this looks like what this looked like. Da, 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 da. So I literally was on my computer looking up pictures of different FCDs and how it manifests and how it looks. Right. And then have the conversation of if you're you're having clearly you think you have an up you you have an unprotected sex if you think you caught something. Right. <laughs> and right. so you need right. to start using condoms and da 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 da. And it led to that kind of sex education. And so, right. but I feel like my mother setting us up to be open about our bodies and our in our sexual and not a sexual or well, sexuality but um about whatever's going on with our body led us to be very very comfortable with talking about sex and body and image stuff to my mm-hmm. mom and to each other mm-hmm. and so he was like i was and so the dude who who status i was on he said um he was like i just couldn't do it because um that seems trifling and I'm like, it's only trifling if you're sexualizing each other. It's only trifling if somebody is being touched or if somebody's being inappropriate or if somebody is uncomfortable with it. Like if, right. if, if the child is uncomfortable or if the parent is uncomfortable, I don't know. If somebody is uncomfortable with the situation, that's when you got to make the adjustment. But because right. this is our mom and this is something that is a norm for us. It was not uncomfortable at all. So I guess my my question to y'all is, can y'all describe how y'all was raised around what how nudity and that kind of stuff happened in your home and maybe how it affected your growing up when it when when it when it comes to body image and when it comes to, um, you know, how you saw bodies and how you saw shame around your body? Can you explain your own growing up scenario around nudity, parents and family and that stuff like that? As a kid, kid, you know, <laughs> is that true? Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say as a kid, kid, um, man, I don't really, I mean, I know I like would wash my mom's bag. I saw my mom naked. You know what I mean? I'm also assigned female at birth too. So like, I'm sure that definitely impacted that interaction, especially as I got older. Cause I saw her naked even after puberty sometimes, right? Wash my back. You know, I wash her back or, you know, help her strap her bra, powder. Um, Come on, you know, powder. Like that, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, old school, you know, powder up, you know, yeah. make sure you powder up. And it's annoying that. that, that but uh-huh. it was a part of our cleanliness. Yeah. But it's, it's late that it, it was Johnson and Johnson was putting talcum powder yeah. in that was causing us cancer and shit. Exactly. Anyway. I put this powder in between your tits uh-huh. and, and near all these organs by your ovaries and things and uterus right. and cancerous things that could, uh. can, you know, organs that can catch cancer. And so, yeah. So, you know, I grew up powdering up, you know, I put a little powder in your panties, a little powder between your, not even your flat chest of nothing, you know, just because you're just supposed to put powder on, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't recall. I mean, my dad, my dad, 
my dad was kind of in and out for a little bit. Uh, for a while, he was pretty deep in addiction. Not so much now. But uh, so that definitely impacted you're here, you're not here, you're not for a long time. But um, he would wear like pajama pants, boxers sometimes. But like, uh, I don't think anybody was like naked, naked. Um, but I definitely, you know, it was casual. Like my mom was in the, you know, it was time. She was like, I'm going to use the bathroom and I'll be in the bathroom. It ain't a thing. Right. It wasn't a thing. Right. Or like bring me, bring me X, Y, and Z while I'm in the bathroom or something like that. So I, it wasn't necessarily a thing of like walking around or lounging around the house with no, without a top, without a top. Well, my dad could sometimes be like topless, but like I couldn't, the only reason I could not be topless too much is because I was hyper, hyper, hyper policed around my gender, even before I got to elementary school. So like, I think I mentioned that before. So like there was like if my mom was around, it was like if anything could remotely seem masculine or something that a boy would do, she was on top of that. Like, nope, I don't want you watching wrestling. I don't want you playing with your brother's toys. I don't want you thinking you could walk around topless. I don't want you thinking you could do anything that a boy can do, basically. But yet women's power. Right. Yet be a proud black girl. Right. So it just was like, all right. But um, but yeah, but like in very casual kind of exchanges around like you know, we both in the bathroom or something like that. It wasn't a big deal. Or, um, yeah, or just when it came to my mom, my dad was never really like naked, you know, maybe just topless, but he would wear like pajama pants, you know, or boxers sometimes, but mostly pajama pants. I don't know, but I don't know. But yeah, that's what I remember growing up. Did you see how it affected your body? Like how you thought about your body? I honestly think because I was so hyper policed, there was already like a break, uh, a level of not even necessarily dysphoria, but it was already like this alertness around, like out of freedom as a child. I remember, let me put it like this. I remember I went to soccer camp. The first soccer camp I went to, I was like probably like eight or nine, something like that. I was the only black person and the only girl. And we had shirts and skins and I wanted to be on the skin side, shirts and skins, skins is no shirt, shirts yeah. and no shirt. And they were like, no, ma'am, you have to wear a shirt. And I was like, I don't understand why. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we all got flat chests. I don't, I didn't get it. I think I was like kind of checked out. You know what I mean? It was so I had the freedom to be a kid to not really think about anything. But also, we really weren't talking about anybody's bodies outside of just kind of the run of the mill stuff. Uh, and then also this hyper police. So I, it just was kind of like, I think my shit was already really disrupted <laughs> very early. Gotcha. And so I just kind of, you know, was kind of in my own world. So I didn't really necessarily have feel negative about my body. But um, but I will say when I got to college, there's a class uh, at, at UW-Madison called Women's Studies 103. And it's a class where you learn about, you read our bodies ourselves and all this other kind of stuff and learn about the will of oppression and all this kind of stuff. But and what in that in that course, the whole point of that course is to teach uh, folks about AFAB bodies because people don't learn about it. So you got to learn how a period works and learn how to da 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 and all these things to even get out the class. Like you can pass everything, but if you can't draw the chart of like the da da da, the egg and the hormone this and da 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 da, you can't pass the class. I take it twice because I had dysphoria and didn't realize it. But it taught me so much about my body. It's interesting that you say that because I know that from my own, from my own experience, um, in the sense of, uh, there was not really 
if the, in school, if you know, if you see a dude's body part, there was some, and you know, if it was little, <laughs> there was some shame around that. <laughs> but you rarely see. I'm talking about like in, in your peers. You rarely seen a dude just like have his dick out um amongst like everybody like you might like if you in the locker room if you in the kind of male only spaces you would see it but yeah. there was a very very clear shaming of a girl on her period that was a very oh listen very very clear me, listen listen i remember i was in middle school i was the only sixth grader in the dinner theater uh program that was happening went to arts middle school so it was pretty competitive and um you know, they were trying to make fun of me one day, you know what I'm saying? And uh, somebody took out my pad and they started throwing around my pad, to your point, around shaming around a period. Now, mind you, I already had a level of dysphoria that I can now see that I had dysphoria. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was dysphoria then. Um, in addition to just the shaming that happens to, to young girls around the period, you know, to AFAD bodies around your period. And so it was like a combination of those things too. I was just like, this sucks ass and not in a good way, not in a consensual, right. let's have fun, <laughs> sexual way, right? Just like, no, this I didn't want this, you know? Um, and there so, this, yeah, it was def yeah, definitely, that's the thing. That's yeah, the there was this, it was this girl, this girl in my- um, God forbid you bleed through your outfit. Oh, like, she did, and, uh, she yeah, did that's the, the thing. in the school and it showed in the back of her pants and she didn't know mm -hmm. it. I don't, I, I don't know how yeah. period works, but she didn't, yeah. I know yeah, how it don't. works, but- Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know you couldn't feel it coming out. And yeah. so in, in her scenario, I guess she didn't feel it coming out. And she had on white fucking pants, annoying yeah. as fuck. Yeah. And she, we were coming, the bell had rang and we were coming out the classroom and you can see in the middle of her crotch, just redness. Oh, and red, ready. And so everybody was not really, it was niggas. It really wasn't everybody. It was mm. definitely none of the girls was doing it. Now, mm. when they see the niggas acting crazy, they might have been laughing. Yeah. But it was mostly niggas that was pointing and and it just mm. made this big, big thing. And I, all I remember is being red of embarrassment and it wasn't even me. Right, 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 right. <laughs> just right, red. Right. It wasn't. I ain't listen, got nothing to do listen, with this period. And, listen, and nothing, that's, don't even get a period. Listen, and listen. I was felt so shamed <laughs> of like, oh my God, I know she is so shamed. Why? And then I had to now as an adult, I'm examining right now in this moment. Why did I know to that she should feel shame about this? Like, where mm -hmm. did that come from? Where did that projected on us? Yeah. Why was why was it being projected on me? And and why did I know that this was embarrassing? Unless it's just because of scenario. I, I can't really know how I knew. It wasn't like my mama had period conversations with me because I wasn't assigned female at birth. But you, but I mean, it's like so the social structures that we live in, those are the messages you get sent subconsciously, just like with anything else when it comes like, uh, and that's what I was saying this whole time, like around like AFAB folks in terms of how folks are raised and socialized to have shame about everything. Everything, your period, your body, close your legs, your da -da -da, titties growing. Tell you, exactly. And so, you know, and that it don't matter if that person is like, I'm trans, I'm a trans man, I'm trans masculine, or I'm a cis woman. Everybody who goes through that part, if you experience that <laughs> growing up, you're you're getting all these messages that are negative about who you are, your body, and the agency you have around it. And that's why that class was so important. Like 
even though, you know, it may be Bob, you know, white, white, second wave feminist course, but that class is, it will always have a waiting list. It'd be like 300 people in that class because, because you learn, you, it's like put, you start putting pieces together in the puzzle when people take that class. And it's like, oh shit, you've been taught to hold shame. Oh, you've been taught to defer. You've been taught to da, 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 da. And so that's why, like, you know, just attend like tangentially when people try to put trans men and trans masculine people in the same box as cis men, it's like, it, that's, we don't share the same histories. So like, because we don't shit, like, it doesn't make sense to say you're walking around with all this privilege and da, 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 we're amongst trans people. That doesn't make sense <laughs> to me personally. Right. Cause it's like, that's not, that's not really acknowledging the trans part. Like trans, <laughs> like, it's like, like, you know what I'm saying? The fact that I'm trans matters, right? Like that is going to impact how I think about myself related to the world because all that shit around shame and all that kind of, it doesn't magically go away because somebody took testosterone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you got to kind of, and also people expect you to not uh, hold shame. They don't expect you to defer. If you look a certain way, if you're cis assume, right? They don't expect you to have all them negative messages that are taught to women and girls, supposedly, that you hold on how you navigate the world. So, you know, you can actually get shit for not being an asshole, basically, is I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but no, no, I feel you like the I think it's the messages all around, because especially in puberty, yeah, puberty periods. Your titties are grown, your boobs are, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like people pick you apart, you right. know, you know, around that that age, around that. I remember, school, I think I remember early um, high school. I remember having just I don't know where I learned it from, but I remember having shame about jacking off. I remember mm. about I remember my stepdad had walked in on me and I was, honey, choking the chicken. <laughs> and uh he came in and I was like, and I just jumped. It was like, <laughs> oh, like it was just a, my body filled with this shame of, of mm. like, and he was like, what you in here doing? I was like, nothing. <laughs> right, right. It just was this moment. I'm like, where did that shame come from? Like mm -hmm. what it did? Because I don't remember having conversations about that at that time. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I started masturbating when I was like nine, ten. And so mm -hmm. it was like. Mm, I didn't know. I just, I don't know where the shame came from. What about you, Mia? What, when it comes to you being around naked around your parents and how did that, how did that come mm -hmm. up in your household and, um, you know, what you thought about your body? Um, I, I did. Okay. Before I answer that, I did, uh, when, uh, uh, I did have a response to, um, LJ, cause he was talking about the privilege of trans men and how you don't think that, um, trans men have privilege and um, of course you have to acknowledge your transness too because it does knock you up when you think about the hierarchy of mm. cis men right mm. but mm. Like, I, I remember talking about how trans men have privilege and we do. <laughs> they, I, I'm one of the ones that feel like you guys do like if you're if, you, if they see you as a cis man before they know that you're trans there is a privilege that comes with that like to be able to get certain jobs, even though we're supposed to be in a society where women are, you know, somewhat kind of equal to be able to get jobs. I still see the same um, discrimination where certain jobs, like if it's like like a hands on type of job, if you come in there, you look too 
um, pretty or uh, ladylike, they'll really look at you like, no, we're not going to hire you because we don't think you're going to work. Absolutely. So I, I just, I still see, even with Z, my boyfriend is a trans man. I still see the privilege that he has being a, seen as a male figure. Um, so I do agree that he, that there is some um, underlining of the privilege that you is taking away from you once people do know that you're not a cis man or if you're read as not a cis man or you, or mm. if you're just open about it. So I, I agree with that part. Um, but to your question, yeah. Diamond, um, the crazy thing is my mom never was naked around us. She was naked mm. around my sister, which kind of made me feel away because I'm like, I'm not looking at you in that type of way. Nobody worried about the moringa, the banana shake titties, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Shay. <laughs> and I remember telling her that and it, it wore her out because I just kept getting tired of her like being like, shut the door, shut the door. Like, girl, I'm not looking at them moringa titties, girl. And I'm like, and I said it one day and she was just like, huh? Yeah, girl, nobody <laughs> worried about them, uh, girl. And so I yeah. used to, it, it, it used to make me feel away because I'm just like, I'm not looking at you no type of way. Why can't I have the same experience that my, my, um, my sister's having? But you know, my mom's Bible Belt conservative mm. well, at the time, very conservative. Um, that whole boy and girl thing was like mashed into us like even from our chores like I, I had chores that were specifically for boy boys mm-hmm. and my sister had chores that were specifically for girls mm-hmm. and so like everything was like knocked down towards gender so gender seeing her naked mm-mm. but my sister just like your mama she be <laughs> naked her kids mm-hmm. be naked in front of her it, she she be <laughs> naked in front of her friends like she's so open mm. she just is an open type of person. Like she doesn't have any shame with her body. And so, um, Mm. me specifically with my, um, I think when I get older, um, and if I do end up having a a family, I have thought about it, but I think I only would be comfortable if I have a sex change. Now that might be, Mm. um, that, I mean, some people might feel a way about me saying that, but I have been a girl that's always wanted one, always wanted a sex change. Uh, just as I've gotten older, I've, um, I've actually figured out that I had uh, internalized transphobia and I was able, able to dissect that and get rid of it, right? And so now that I'm, I'm comfortable with my body and who I am, but I'm, I'm, I think I still have some some dysphoria when it comes to that, like that's real. Um, some uneasiness, but I don't know. Who knows? But no, I think um, that's real. I think I don't think it's weird. I think that as long as those conditions, like your mother uh, and your mother LJ and your mother Diamond, or just your family, those conditions are understood. Like it's nothing sexual, or just how how we should operate. Then you should be fine. I just think that we should stop generalizing everybody like your friend, whoever that was that you would come in and in and acting like we all operate the same in our families because we don't. Mm-hmm. All right. I also, I just want to 
Take a note. I said, I think privilege is situational. I didn't say transmission. Oh, <laughs> I said it's situational because we I do think have I privilege. came in at the tail end. Yeah, so I didn't yeah no, we okay. it's, it's situational. We got privilege around mobility. Yeah. And what that affords us is we have privilege around not dealing with violence on the same level, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, again, it's I think it's situational because not everybody does masculine jobs. You know, I work in LGBT industry of things before I transition mm-hmm. and after and definitely catch hell around being a trans person sometimes in that environment. So like everybody situation is different. Um, yeah, but definitely. But definitely, of course, we have privilege and to be able to walk around and not worried about a threat on a regular basis unless someone has an interaction and that opens the door for that is a privilege point blank period. Right. <laughs> I did. Yes. I also and I, I, feel, I feel like I've and I've always been like this, even when Z was on the podcast. I feel like it's just safer for a, a AFAB person that's queer than an AMAB person because it has always been been like super so much violence towards AMAB people. Now, of course, AFAB people um, have violence towards them as well, but I just feel like it's a little bit easier. But that could be me looking on the outside on the inside or just feel like it's, it's a different um the culture has made it harder for a a mad people hmm. I, I i have two thoughts one i agree a mad queer people i will say i agree and i also think it gets to a weird place kind of like when sandra bland died and people were like well mostly black tra- black men are getting killed by the police it's like yes but uh you know so the 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 I'm type, the type you said what there was a lot of there I remember when Sandra Bland got killed, people were like, but it's mostly black men being killed. And that mm-hmm. it was like a big conversation around black women's relationship to violence from the police mm-hmm. and violence in general. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the truth is black trans women got to deal with violence on a level that I could never fucking imagine. So like, that's a fact point blank. The situational privilege comes in. We're all dealing with, uh discrimination and disparities in our jobs so if you transition on the job that's very different than i'm going to go look for a job and whether or not a person quote unquote passes and all this kind of thing that's why i say it's situational in terms of how that manifests outside of mobility for a lot of people getting in and getting out and without being bothered and dealing with threats of violence in my opinion like that's kind of where i see it for folks but also not every trans person takes tea not every trans person, trans guy or trans person has had top surgery you got folks with triple d's that's out true. here and dealing with a different. very different reality you know so everybody's situation is kind of different i, th- I also think that uh, i why i wouldn't agree with that is because i think i can see how a person who is a man could think that but I, but I think we think that we can think that because we're not including the whole scope of AFAB people. Because while yes, you can get um, maybe while, I should have been specific like trans women because yeah, not the whole scope of AMAB people, not yeah, gay men for sure. Because I, I feel, but just on a like just on an AFAB level it is constant and a norm in our culture for there to be violence and sexual well, violence and on AFAB <laughs> yeah. bodies. Like and it's done birth. in silence. It's done it's quietly. Done in silence. And, exactly. and, and it, it right. happens so much that but, it's not a light also, always shined on But I don't want to make this like an oppression Olympics. Like I, no, we just, I, we just discussing I, it. I feel like I've kind of like 
ignited that in a way, but I, I really <clears throat> didn't want to. No, no, no. I understand. It's something that we can talk through. Um, I, I think that because it's such a norm for AFAB, AFAB bodies to be harmed, that sometimes right. it's, acknowledge almost, it. <laughs> it's not acknowledged enough for right. us to. And it, you can say how many how many little girls have been molested? Like mm-hmm. one out of four. Like that's a statistic. Mm-hmm. It's something we can black girls yeah right. especially black girls so yep. it's something that happens all the time and what and we're, we're socialized to not even acknowledge it and keep it moving unless it's something that's super visible super big that everybody in our face see. right and if Thone people can't face. see it we don't talk about it and <laughs> so the, it's like it's whispers and i know? can't I, yeah, and this might sure. be wrong to say i'm not 100 yeah, percent sure but no, th- what I'm about to say might be wrong to say, but I think that because we are in this renaissance of trans women, that we are seeing it more being publicized. Trans women was getting killed in the early 2000s, but mm-hmm. nobody was talking about it on a mass scale. Trans women That's was true. getting killed in the 90s, but nobody was talking about it on a mass scale. I think right now, because cisgender women are the norm, cisgender yeah. AFAB men are the norm, there's been so many things that have been talked about them doing things, but because we are in this trans renaissance, we are hearing more about trans people getting killed. We are hearing more about it. It's becoming a thing, but you know, us hearing about a black woman getting killed by her boyfriend or a black girl getting married, getting little black girl, getting molested. That's kind of a norm. Not that not that it shouldn't be as shocking. It should every single time it should be talking. I mean, we don't we don't really hear on the level around the sexual violence that a lot of trans guys and trans masculine people face around like rape and sexual assault. Right. Regular. Right. Because the, the violence is different. It's not necessarily always. I think it's it's because a lot of violence against AFAB people is not necessarily leading to death. It's leading to shit that you got to shut the fuck up and be quiet about. Yes, that too. And so I think that's a big part of it too. Um, and that's a different kind of uh, threat to a certain extent. Yes. Um, but, and I think it gets dangerous because you run into situations where people conflate all these things and then look at trans men and trans masculine people like we're cis men. Right. And say, well, y'all are just out here like cis men. And it's like, who? <laughs> But I'm saying, but 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 we know statistically we don't really don't have a lot of data on trans men and trans masculine people because trans for a default until recently, the last 10, 15 years has meant trans women. So all the data, all the money, any funding, any anything that exists until the last 15, 10, 15 years, we're just starting to do surveys and doing any kind of not saying that data was sufficient. Okay, like let me be clear. But I'm saying in the in the popular culture, in the healthcare field, and HIV work, any kind of money around trans people, for a very long time, the default for trans was trans women. We had to kind of push. That's why you see just for the Discovery commercials, because a lot of trans men showed up at those different um uh different focus groups and things like that. For the first time, they're saying, Oh, well, this prep doesn't act the same on assigned female at birth bodies. The first time. And right, because we're finally actually including trans, uh, uh, trans AFAB people in the conversations around what's driving data and funding to know how to support the community. And thing. I'm just saying it's like it's a new even when it comes to support systems in, on institutions, it's a new conversation. So we don't really even have the data. A lot of the support is answering quiet calls. 
and also it depends on the circumstances that you're in. Yeah, you can talk about the circumstances of that when we're talking about HIV care and blah 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 blah. blah. But when we talk about who is in power in these non uh, in these nonprofit situations, it's normally trans men who are in the power of the upper echelon of these things. The trans women that are getting studies are the clients. When yep, I look, right. when, I, when, I, when I look at the who's in the positions of power, uh, the exactly. case manager, da 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 da. I see a lot of white trans men in these mm-hmm. positions of power mm-hmm. of of that. Not black trans men. Mm-hmm. Um, black trans men are kind of just out here with their spouses <laughs> and just kind of, <laughs> you know, for what I, for what and, I and, and and the world's very different. You know, I I came yes. into my transition when I was in a relationship, and the how I have to navigate the world as a trans masculine person, as a trans man, as a gender queer person is very different as a single person not in a relationship it is much more difficult very because, you know what i'm saying because i was in like a queer partnership which kept me connected to my queer community in a way that i can't be now in the same way because i'm not seen as a part of the community in the same way because i'm cis assumed right. in a lot of spaces so it's just like you kind of get cut off for some people, you kind of get cut off from support systems, too, because you kind of get thrown in there with cis men. And I'm like, I don't know shit about cis men. I don't know shit about straight people. I don't know shit about none of that shit. I don't even have a strap on. Like, I don't know shit. Why are you talking <laughs> to me about this shit? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What? You know what I mean? So, like, but okay, <laughs> in some spaces being cis assumed, has that, has that alleviated some of that oppression? No. no. For me, it's been more of a, a headache. Um, and a part of the reason that like when I when I was in Madison, I had more flexibility around my gender expression. When I moved to Milwaukee, I had to get in line to get around to do what I had to do for my safety and do what I need to do. And so I was like way more cis assumed looking there than I've ever been in my life because I had to do what I had to do for my safety. Point blank, mm-hmm. period. Until I moved somewhere where I felt like I had a little bit more flexibility. But like that's just what it is. You know what I mean? But that's my that's me and my journey. Like I wasn't out here like trying to be a super assumed man in the world that's right he he is is more gender fluid than most of the trans men that we meet and so most of the trans men that we would meet mia are going to be adhering to that cis cis heteronormativity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so that privilege that you know of like with z like with Mm -hmm. um you know other trans men that we know because they are adhering to that ideal usually they're going to be the ones that see the benefit because LJ is not, that Mm -hmm. is not what he's adhering to. There's Mm going to be a lot of times that that privilege is not going to be just in his face in the same kind of way. Right. Right. Because it's a difference when you show up as a, a cis head assumed person versus a cis queer head. I mean, like, you know, this head queer, oh, yeah. well, it's queer. If you look queer, right. I mean, I look, people, like, I've been in situations in jobs where I've worked, like, you know, certain, like, I've worked in service and I've worked in all kinds of industries. And um, people assume that I was a cis straight dude. And then slowly over time, as I'm working there, right, there's more questions coming up about me because I'm still there. I look a little queer. Also, I don't pack. I don't, you know, make sure that my pants are you know open enough so you can think i have something that some junk right so then it's like oh you know your pants are kind of kind of tight so now we're getting clued in that something's different about this dude at my job right and so like those are kind of things i've experienced or like i haven't reacted in a typical cis head normative way then right. it's like well what's wrong with you are you gay? Right? 
Right. And then not only are you gay, right? And right. And then it's like, oh, you a girl. Mm-hmm. So then you're dealing with other stuff or like even I know with the facial who, hair. Yeah. Nobody gives a because look, nobody I keep saying I say that I will I will stand on this on this rock forever. Lesbians are not real to people to like the patriarchy, the way that's set up, lesbians are not oh, real. Yeah. Trans men aren't real. None of that, nothing. You don't have agency. None of that shit is real. You are just a girl. I don't care. No matter what you do to your body, you are a girl to the patriarchy. Depending on what space you're in. Yeah, like, I'm saying according that, to that, patriarchy that, and misogyny. Uh, lesbian space you tried to go in and they and they shunned you. It got yeah. But I'm saying it, to like the patri- the the way patriarchy is set up with quote unquote men on the top, right, or cis men on the top. Mm-hmm. Once you're like I'm not that, and I'm fighting that, or I'm outside of that. They don't care. That's why I'm saying like lesbians weren't real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They were like, oh, little girl, you're just something wrong with your head. Mm-hmm. Same thing with trans guys. So it's like even like I got people in my family, not many, but I have people in my family because some people don't look crazy, right? Or not crazy, sorry, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who don't care. They're like, you, my sister, period. You all, you know, like you a girl, like period. Like that's just what it is. And the reason I feel like I have even more power to say it is because you a girl. <laughs> because yeah, of patriarchy. I don't, see, I don't I I don't think I don't see you as inferior at all. I do see I mean, right. I, I see you I as see right. You as inferior. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. also, if you're assigned female at birth and you grow up assigned female at birth in the world, girl is second class citizen, just like black is second class citizen. Facts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know what I mean? So like the social, the social shift, especially if somebody medically transitions, you might look this way today and look totally different tomorrow. So the world's treating you different tomorrow. Then you might, because testosterone is a very powerful drug, you know? So like, I look more like a man today in a way that I didn't when I first, four years ago. Right. Or even when I started tea, I was on a very low dose. Like I didn't look this way. So like how I look has changed drastically how the world treats me keeps changing how i'm interact so it's like it's constantly kind of relearning at least in my experience how to be in the world and that shit is stressful <laughs> where have you found peace <laughs> like where did where like because you say you were i didn't um like your way your walk um as a trans man is is different like in within that transition i know that it can be uncomfortable but where like where have you been able to find peace in your transition I mean, I have peace, you know, I have community, you know what I'm saying? I'll be with my people, okay. you know what I'm saying? When I'm with my people, I'm good, you know? And I know trans guys who have a typical, have the traditional kind of cis heteronormative-ish kind of energy. I also know a lot of trans guys who don't. I just know, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot that don't. Like, mostly the people I knew didn't until I went to BTEC. Remember I said that? Like, most of the trans guys, like trans folks were like, I'm a trans man or trans masculine. I didn't know anyone. I knew very few people who were like super like, I'm a man, cis da-da-da-da-da-da, and I want all the benefits and things that come with that. I knew folks who were just kind of pushed back and were put who pushed back against some of that um in their regular walk before they transitioned and continue to do so afterwards. But but you know, the the experiences are so broad depending on who you are, where you're at. That's why it gets dangerous to just assume that everybody has that experience because it's triggering, right? It triggers stuff around sexual assault. It triggers, might trigger your own history around being treated like shit for your entire life until you might've started looking quote unquote like a man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's fucked up to make that assumption because it kind of it kind of denies the trans part to me. And it's like, everybody's journey is different. 
get to know what's going on <laughs> with that person and, and not make those assumptions. But but I think to your point, Diamond, you're right. Like in terms of just like in terms of the higher um, the profile, even with the money, because again, the money likes it's fucked up, but the money is like, oh, your story is depressing. Great. Let's go talk, talk to some people and get some more money. And, and in some ways, some folks in our community have been exploited with that. Some trans women, especially black trans women, have been exploited by some of these organizations that want to hear our stories the in trauma. the trenches, the trauma, but don't want to make the long term investment to make sure this person that you're getting their story from can get a fucking job that's paying them well and work at that organization with the white trans dudes and not just be a client getting a fucking gift card or just be a client getting a fucking one off. Right. Like to me, that's it's 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 a it's fucked up all the way around because it's like we got to be all anyway. Point is, like. In, I would say the community in, back in Wisconsin is definitely more uh, because don't nobody really move and we all kind of grew up together. There's a lot of communication around this. It's not it's not a big it's not as much of a big deal because it's like I remember you from growing up. So I know you've been through some shit. Yeah. You all might have been church kids and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my history is just being around people that kind of grew up together around trans folks that kind of came up and grew up. So like if we all familiar, then saying like about your history, it's not a big deal because it's like, yeah, I know that. What? You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, yeah, I know we talked about a lot of stuff, but so we um, went way off of what we was talking about. So yeah, I wanna, we before we close, we bring, we bring that real shit. We bring that real <laughs> shit, that nuance. This, yeah. These black people, this is the governance structure called talking, not the social structure at the white institutions. <laughs> this is us. So I want to say, so I want to say this for about the nudity because that's what we were talking about with nudity. <laughs> So nudity. <laughs> nudity between parents and children, nudity between parents and children is fine as long as both are fully comfortable. This is what um, Dr. Um, Don Hubertner says, author of the self-help book, What to Do When You Worry Too Much. She adds that parents need oh, to be on the lookout for anything. Be on the lookout for any discomfort level when it comes to the nudity. With the, if you're a nude in front of your child, be aware of it. The goal with children is to foster a delight and confidence in their body while gradually over time teaching them norms related to privacy and consent. If you're trying to decide what what's appropriate for your family, you are in the right place. Here is the naked truth about nudity. The pros, the cons, <laughs> the most valuable tips about when it might be time to cover up. Um, a pro is that it's convenient. A con is you're going to get awkward comments and questions and stares. Um, the mm. pro is you can promote body positivity and acceptance. And a con is you might feel uncomfortable. Um, a pro is body parts aren't considered taboo when you're growing up in these situations. Con is that their uh, boundaries can be get a little blurred. Um, the pro is you can teach the difference between nudity and sexuality. There's a difference. Um, and and you can because understanding I really, really I really I really want to be clear about the um, the boundaries being blurred being a kind of a con because because if you are in this this new this kind of household if you have somebody infiltrating your family it mm. can be like hmm am i supposed to be this might not be a safe person that i need to be around with this kind of new this freedom 
<laughs> where as my mother was very clear, <laughs> very, very clear early on that I this is home. The right. home is right. safe. Right. Home right. is safe. Right. Home is where you can be free here. You can, I think there's an interview with my mom and she says, my grandmother's <laughs> like, you got the, you got these little boys running around here. Like, wow, African monkeys, you need to get them. Oh. In. <laughs> you, need to, you need to get them together. And my mother was said, yep. <laughs> my mother said, hell yeah, this I'm Jane and they Tarzan and this day jungle and they can run around how the fuck they want. <laughs> so if you don't want to deal with it, take your ass to your house. <laughs> and oh. it was very clear from <laughs> yeah. my mother's stance on anything that other motherfuckers were saying oh. and doing about how she was raising her kids was, fuck you. This is my house. I raise my kids how I want to raise them. You don't like mm -hmm. it. Take your ass home. So I knew by the, my mother's stance that home was a safe place. I right. couldn't go to my friend's house and be walking around naked. I couldn't go. I you know, you. there there was an understanding that this is how we do it at home. This is not how other people do it. Because I would hear sometimes people having a conversation about us walking around my mama naked or like my because my grandmother was the total opposite. I had never I saw my grandmother naked at, at some point as an adult. But um, in our in my younger years, and that's because she was honey drunk and you know, older and needed some help getting out of the bathtub. <laughs> and so, but Earl, when she was younger and more, you know, more, but didn't have any kind of mobility issues. My, my grandmother was never the type of person that you, that you would be nude around or she would be nude around you. No, she, no, ma'am. That is not, she thought that that was inappropriate. So being that my mother was like that. So I guess it would be like your, um, your mom, Mia and how, Tess is because my mom was like Tess. My mom was like new, 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 new. All of her kids knew, but my grandmother was totally different. She was like, "Oh no, you're not being in my house running around naked. No, put some clothes on. <laughs> you know, do not come out of that bathroom without having no towel around you." Oh, She's okay. that person. My grandmother was that person, and so, but it allowed me to understand the difference that this is a rule in my mom's house. This is a safe place, and so I want to end this conversation. We went, we went off on a tangent about stuff that we need to talk about. <laughs> but um, I want to end this segment talking about asking you, people who are listening, yeah. what, um, how has your family been raised when it comes when it comes to around nudity and being around your family nude, and how did that manifest in your particular situation? Tell me what you think. Hash has Marcus plate. There is no um, wrong answer. We just mm -hmm. want to know your your situation because I thought it was an interesting conversation that, um, you know, because we're talking about bodies, you know, that we should be able to talk about. So tell us what you think about what what your um, what you think about the conversation we have had and your experience around nudity and your family and how you was raised. Hashtag Marsha's plate. center type of uh, place by IPIC mm. and I ran into two really sweet guys that were um, that were avid listeners of Marsha's play. Now hey. I asked them their name twice. The first time 
And then the second time I told him I had bad memory now. <laughs> Don't get mad at me, y'all. I forgot again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was it was so amazing meeting them. They were so cool. Um, they were just saying how much they love Marsha's play. And I just wanted to shout y'all out. Y'all know who y'all are. Please forgive me. I forgot your names again, but y'all yeah. super dope. And thanks for giving me an idea um, of a place to go. Awesome. That's dope. But that was my euphoria for the week. Mine was uh, hanging out with a whole bunch of Black, queer, and trans people uh, this weekend. Yesterday, I got to go up to up, up north and be around just some Blacky, Black, just some Black folk um, in Western Washington. And uh, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was nice. And we had chicken and, you know, grill, they grilled out. And it just was real, you know, it's because it's so um, gentrified out here. The black community mm -hmm. is very spread out, like spread out 40 minutes or so to the north. Some people in the middle, 40 or so minutes to the south. And so it was nice to just get around folks in a place that's like super, 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 super white super super i mean white land you know what i'm saying so it was really nice to to do that uh and then later i'm going to this juneteenth uh pacific northwest black pride cookout today after after the show and so it's just a weekend full of black queer and trans people i can dig it and food that's free so that's my, my that's my euphoria uh this week is uh being in community getting my getting my my dose that's going to sustain me as I navigate the whiteness for this week. So <laughs> that's my euphoria. <laughs> oh, God. So mine is has been these amazing documentaries that have shined a light on so many things this week. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to I don't want to say it bring me joy. I don't know. The, it did bring me joy to see the documentation of the downfall of this crazy cult leader patriarch type of situation. But I watched a documentary called keep sweet pray and obey oh, that documentary was crazy <laughs> what is that on what is that on it's, it's on netflix okay. they're not a cult they're a religion it's it's a Girl, religion. that's a cult i don't care what nobody if they Wait, cult, then the rest of these motherfuckers is a cult, that was a cult. <laughs> the rest of these it? religions is a cult <laughs> is it like, uh, is it like, is it like one? It's one documentary. Or is it like a series? Or it's a series. It's, it's, it's a one series. documentary. Oh, but it's a documentary on episode four. Okay, four episodes. So it's called uh -huh. "Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey," and it is a well-made, like, um, comprehensive and expansive look at the polygamous group of fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Um, it is a four part series from the director, Rachel. Um, I don't know how to say her name does Dirtzen. And it's a, it's an extremely hard. Oh, it was an extremely hard watch for me, but if you have probably been through some kind Wait, of, is that Mormons? Yes. It's a, it's a, it's an offshoot of Mormons. Okay. Latter-day Saints. And so, um, it, it wasn't extremely hard watch for me, but it could be, there was some harsh, hard moments. Um, because there's some firsthand accounts from survivors um, of, um, and it's kind of like awe-inspiring for me. The series was has a large focus on the women who, despite a total lack of knowledge of the outside world, they managed to undermine this leader, this all-powerful leader, and it is it was amazing. So that's why it kind of bring me joy. There's some dark moments, but it bring me joy because 
they were really isolating these people from the rest of the world and for them to come up and like destroy the whole thing it was amazing to me i really it just gave me so much joy and at the time right now when we think about um american women's rights um being threatened by like a wide array of religious um based forces and beliefs i think this is a really really straightforward documentary of how when you how extreme it can get and how extreme um it looks and how it's pretty pretty necessary for us to show how crazy these motherfuckers can be when it comes to oppressing women and controlling lives and what it can look like if we let um you know women's rights get taken over by men because it turns into nothing but an exploitive shit show of a community and this is a documentary that shows how that plays out and how ridiculous it is and how these couple of women with the help of um some police department some um news people and you know other and each other really took down this dumb this disgusting cult leader type situation and so um wow. but it's religious based and so it gave me joy watching them take them down and seeing these women start off in a position of servitude and then because of certain circumstances turn into like I'm getting the fuck up out of here. <laughs> this is whack. <laughs> I don't like this. I and not only do I need to save myself out of this, I need to not only save myself and have the courage to save myself, but also come in and save some other girls, some of my sisters that's in there getting wore out too. And I need some help from the outside world. I don't know nothing about y'all. They taught us that y'all was Gentiles <laughs> and I should address oh, wow. y'all. But MH, MH it's very similar to that. Very, very wow. that. Very similar to what, Diamond? A handmade a little bit. Yes. It's that's, like that. Yes. That's exactly what it made me think of. Yeah. Wow. And so it gave me joy to watch it and see them take that motherfucker down. And um, while there are some dark parts in it, it just was the, the takedown was the joy. You needed the dark part so you can feel the sweetness of the takedown. <laughs> Did you complete it, Mia? I did complete it to be specific. Some of the um, the content she's saying that you should be wary of is like a recorded, um, like a recorded voice scene of children getting molested. Oh shit! Okay, trigger warning. That's, some, that's something that I would probably want people. Um, you don't see it, but there's it's a moment that you need to know to understand. It's, it's a voice recording. Yeah, you need to know how dark it was getting for these people. Because in the beginning, it was like, oh, they're just, they were trying to play it like, oh, these are just women choosing their own religion and choosing to praise their God and 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 do what they want to do. This And some people like what's on the news talk about, that's their business, leaving people alone. But you needed, that's because what they were doing behind the scenes was so dark and gross that they couldn't show it to you the the cops literally had to get search warrants get in there and expose what was literally happened that these other women was telling them was happening if it was just oh we want to be kumbaya my lord that would be mm -hmm. great but it mm -hmm. wasn't just kumbaya my lord they was getting fucking 12 and 13 14 year old girls pregnant and wow. trading them off with with um dudes so they can have three wives and it just was ridiculous and but like I said, that's gross. That's it's horrible. dark, but it is it the takedown was the neck bone, <laughs> neck bones, juicy, suck, 
it's just like oh like some mm. tender Lero. honey <laughs> some neck bone meat baby it was beautiful and so that gave me that gave me euphoria so what is giving y'all euphoria out there in the streets we have taken out evil <laughs> we, have, we have come to the end of the show we want to thank y'all for watching i actually did a review on the episode on my youtube channel so make sure y'all check it out i did like a live chat with some of my audience and we were going back and forth with it so make sure y'all check that out we did that this morning so search diamond styles um you can um find the live chats and yeah, so thank y'all for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Hey. Oh, this and is... I'll be in New York. I'll be in New York from the twenty third through the twenty to the twenty seventh. Yeah, so I'll Ooh, see y'all at nice. New York City Pride. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>